0: All right, Mark chapter number one, if you will. We'll get rolling here this evening. Mark chapter number one. And uh, we're down to verse 40. So we've been looking here at uh, the miracles, and we've just been kind of cruising through them. Um, again, Mark is very deliberate that way. Uh, the uh, key word in it is immediately, as because uh, he just moves from one to one. And again, the miracles... Um, They are, they're designed to validate the ministry of the Lord. Uh, We've looked at the issues of the miracles. If you look in verse 40, and there came a leper to him. But if you drop right back up to verse number 38, and he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. The Lord's earthly ministry is a preaching ministry. It is not a miracle ministry. It isn't the healing ministry. It isn't a casting out the devil's ministry. It's a preaching ministry. He's preaching, verse 14 and 15, that's what he's preaching. Uh, He comes into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, One, the time is fulfilled. It's time. And... The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time's fulfilled. It's time to get going here with the good news. So when you when we get into this section here, we're, we're seeing five miracles. And these miracles, again, are di- are designed to confirm, to validate the message that's being preached. Now, the comparative passage to this is, Matthew 8, and 9, and Luke 5, 6, and 7. So, and, and those as well. Luke 8, verse 1. Preaching and showing. So, the, you have to remember that when we talk about the miracles. The miracles were, are not designed for him to have a healing ministry. If he wanted to heal everybody, he'd have just spoke the words. And then everybody would have been healed. And again, it's, it's validation confirming What's going on? So the first miracle that we saw was he cast out the demons there in verse 21 to 28. And in that casting out the unclean spirit, that's what they're called, devils and demons. The Greek, the Greek word devil is not always a bad thing. They thought Socrates and Plato had devils. So it's, it, you know, that's why the scripture will say demons. That's the more, that's the, the devil issue, okay? <laughs> I don't know how to say that. That's the devil, that's Satan's guys. Or you'll see the unclean spirit, like what we have here uh, as you go. But the casting out of the unclean spirit, what you see is Israel's condition. They're in satanic bondage. The Messiah shows up now, and he's delivering them from satanic captivity, okay? Then we saw um, Peter's mother-in-law, so he's a great pope. He's got a mom. He's married, wife and kids. I don't know if he had kids or not, but he's, if you've got a mother-in-law, at least you have a wife. So you've got to get something decent out of the, out of the, out of the arrangement. But the thing is, is we, with her, we saw that issue of the fever, and Luke says that she had a great fever, and we went back, on and, and we saw that under the law, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 30, 32 there, under the law, there was that fifth course of judgment, and in that, there's this great burning ague, the fever, and again, that deals with them being under captivity, but to the to the fifth course of judgment, and Israel was cursed under the law, and if you will think about where we're at here, their sin, their rebellion against God's word, ultimately their sin, has led them to be in captivity, and guess who shows up? The Messiah does, and what's he going to do? He's going he's to deliver them, but not just deliver them, he's going to restore them back for the service that they're supposed to have. And that's why when we went through the thing here about Peter's mom, mother-in-law, the end of verse 31, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. See that? Immediately. Not, not a recovery. It's a restoration. By the way, that's the other thing about healing in Scripture, was total, complete, boom. Didn't have to come back next week for the second dose. You got it all. It's immediately. Then, in verse, then the third healing we saw where he was healed, the demons are cast out. There's many that are healed, and uh, all of them come. And again, they're restored, they're not recovered. And all that this is demonstrating is, is that the Messiah is here to deliver them from the satanic captivity, from the captivity of that fifth course of judgment, Gentile captivity, if you will. And then from the diseases and so forth. So many were. Now we come to verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The issue of leprosy is now going to be dealt with. And we kind of looked at it briefly, talked about it last time. Notice the man is called a leper. This is the only disease in Scripture that the disease actually becomes what they are called. You don't see, there's a guy in in chapter 2 we're going to look at, verse 3 there, one sick of the palsy. It doesn't say the palsy came. It doesn't say the guy, you know, the prostate cancer guy came. It says, you know, Rick came and Bruce, no, it's the leper and the reason for that is because of what leprosy represents in the scripture. And the leprosy, it attacks the skin, yeah, literally eats away at the skin. Leviticus 13 and 14, two huge chapters on, le- on leprosy. And it literally consumes the identity of the guy, of the person. This it's getting windy out there. <laughs> oh, well. We'll get, the, we'll get the arc out if we need to. So I can hear it behind me. But uh, So the issue of leprosy, it's an all-consuming disease. And it literally consumes the identity of the ones with the disease. So by it changing the, the identity of the person, what are they called? The leper. The leper, the, the leper, that. So when you think about Leprosy in scripture, it is a tremendous picture of sin, uncleanliness. They'll go to the priest, the priest will check them all out, and he will declare them to be unclean. Then they got to take them outside. Then, when he's healed or cleaned up, then they got to go back to the priest, the priest checks them out and declares them to be clean. So you have the, this issue of leprosy, and again, Leviticus 13, Leviticus 14 tells Israel how to diagnose it, how to declare publicly them to be unclean, so them to be a leper, how then to come in and declare them to be healed, to be sick, to be cleaned. So it's a disease that is really the picture of sin, the corruption of sin, the... The misery of sin. It's not something that you just kind of, ah, it's good to go. You go back and read Leviticus 13, and that stuff is just, it soars and it's eating and it's just, it's like, ooh, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, it, it's just tremendous, but that's what he is. So this guy, verse 40, by the way, one, uh, the, the leper here and the guy on the palsy are connected to each other. And we'll see that hopefully as we go here. So verse forty, he comes to the Lord. He he and he know he know he knew, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, again, you have this picture of the defilement of sin. He he, he it he. I I don't know. I was trying to think about. You don't see too many lepers, you know, in in life anymore. I don't think. Uh, at least I couldn't find too much on you know, Google, Google MD, you know. Okay, now we know, <laughs> you know. And when you see that, it, it's, ju- it's just, de- the flesh is just disintegrating from reading the descriptions. And he comes, and he says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He doesn't, he doesn't demand it. He, he comes... He comes to the Lord, the Lord knows the suffering of it, he can see it, obviously he's the Lord, he knows everything, but the guy doesn't, He's he, he doesn't come demanding it, he's asking, if thou wilt. He's not being hesitant, he's not saying, well maybe you can, or maybe you can't, he knows he can heal him, but he, he, he knows who the Lord is, he knows, uh, he's seen the, he's The reports have been published. Back up there in verse 28, immediately his fame spread abroad. He's well aware. He's seen the event there in Peter's home, outside of Peter's house, where the whole city comes. He saw all of that. So he's he's not up there making a demand. Rather, he's, hey, it's up to you if you want to cleanse me or not. If you're willing, if thou wilt... If you're willing, you I know who you are. I know you have the capacity to do this. I know that you can do it. You can make me clean. But you you have to decide to do this. So it's literally where he's coming to that place of help, and he knows, the leper knows, the place of help is right here because you're the Messiah. I know who you are, but are you willing to help? Because that stigma of being... The leper. Not everybody's willing to now go do verse 41. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will, be thou clean. Uh oh, he did something you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to touch him, do this stuff. But notice he moved with compassion. He sees the man. He, he, he knows the terrible disease, the terrible condition. He's The Lord's not repulsed by him. Uh, When these guys, one thing I was reading online was the odor, I mean, uh, the odor of rotten flesh, because that's literally what he's doing. And it's just, so that's why they were always kept outside of the towns and the cities. And, you know, downwind instead of upwind type of thing because of that. But the Lord's not repulsed. He understands what's going on. He moved with godly sorrow. He's looking at this guy and he says, yeah, but notice what he does. He put forth his hand. That's a huge no-no. When the priests declare these guys to be unclean, Leviticus 13, he they're to leave, they're, and you're not to go mess with them. You don't leave them a goodie bag at the gate. You just, they're, they're out. He touched him. Now, if anyone else had done that, then they are declared to be unclean. But here's the Lord. and And who he is, no sin can contaminate him. So as he touches this leper, his virtue goes out and... Of him and clean, clean. Notice he says, I will, be thou clean. He comes in and he heals the disease. He took care of the situation. Verse 42. And as soon as he had, notice, spoken, and that's the kicker, he's got a preaching ministry. He's been speaking a message, he's been doing the miracles and so forth, the unclean spirits out and the healing of the diseased and so forth, those two great miracles of the, of the kingdom, but yet it's the power of his word that accomplished the cleansing. And again, it's a, immediately, it's a restoration. It's not a recovery process. It's not a step, you know, 12-step to get you there. It's an immediate recover, an immediate restoration. And he, as soon as he had spoken... Notice immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. <laughs> immediately. So what does the Lord say? Verse forty three. And straight and straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, Here's the Messiah. He cleansed the guy. He does it in his own power, his own authority. He restores him. He he's got the preaching ministry. He, I'm speaking. So you got this great picture. As Israel's Messiah, restoring her, taking care of this leprosy that is this picture of sin. And he's, pro- he's demonstrating to the nation that he is their redeemer. He's their healer. He's their deliverer. He's everything that they're supposed to do. So he straightway char- he charged him. And then sent him away, and in the, here's the charge, verse 44, And said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now, verse 44 is very important, because he says to him, Go, don't tell anyone. Now, if you think about what the Lord's doing here, it's something very critical. Three times in Matthew, he's, he does something, he says, don't go tell them, don't go tell them, okay? And there's, there's an issue here that's very critical to see and to understand. When you, he, but he does say, go do, to the priest and tell them, okay? And there's a reason for that. In Leviticus 13, and we're not going to go back because it's just a lot there, but you can go back and read it on your own. That's a great, lovely evening reading, by the way. <laughs> it's just like, eh, you know, if the pot sore is doing this and it's eating the flesh and it's white and it's like pus running out, and I'm like, oh, okay, I think I just lost my lunch. But anyway, so, so in Leviticus 13, when someone had leprosy, they f- had to, they first had to be declared to have it by the priest. And it wasn't just a one-time visit. It's like several weeks, and they would watch, and then seven days later, he reevaluated. reevaluate. And then there was a public declaration so that everyone knew they were unclean, okay? Then in Leviticus 14, they've been unclean. Now they're cleansed. Now they've been healed, okay? So they are to go back to the priest, And then they go down into the door of the tabernacle and they got burnt offerings to do and they got this offering to do and that offering to do and you do a lamb and then you've got the poor guy's ceremony, the turtle doves and the pigeons if you don't have the money for the lamb. You got all this stuff, 50 something verses, just back and forth. But the end of it was to be declared publicly before all that they're what? Clean. So the going to the priest issue is this... Well, it's the end of verse 44 there, for a testimony unto them. There's this public declaration that's got to happen. So the Lord tells this guy, go to the priest. Show them that you've been healed, you've been restored. Why? Because that's where the public declaration ha- needs to come from. It needs to come from the priest. Again, can you imagine the fallout of a healed, of a cleansing of a leper? In Scripture, I could only find one guy that has ever been cleansed of leprosy in the Scripture, and it's 2 Kings 5 in Naaman, the Syrian general. He's the only one that's been clean. And, you know, they come, go down and dip seven times in the Jordan and do this and do that. Other than that, you, there's um, in Scripture that I could find. If you found another one, let me know, please, <laughs> honestly. But there's no other record in Scripture of a cleansing of the leper, of a leper. So imagine, if they, imagine how startling it would be for a guy who's been declared to be a leopard to then show up and say, ah, da-da, here I am. And they say, whoa, what would the question be? Who did this? Who done that to you? How did this? What happened? Give us a testimony of the transaction. You follow that? So there would have been tremendous fallout. Okay. Now he doesn't do that, but look look down at look over at John nine. We we've, we've seen this, but with other scenarios, John chapter nine, it would have been startling. They'd want to know who did this to you. And you understand that by looking at John 9 and the blind man here. And uh, the Lord's done this, and we've seen, we've seen this in our uh, John 9, verse uh, 19. And they ask them, now it's talking to the guy's parents, the blind man's parents. Is this your son who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? See the question The the blind man has been, sight's been restored. They're asking the right questions. How did this happen? His parents answered them and said, We know not, I'm sorry, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He's of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. Now, there's a reason behind this. These words spake his parents because they, what, feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. See, they were worried about getting kicked out, so you know what they said? We don't know. Ask him. Yeah, They just, you know, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. You know, just kick the ball, kick the can to the next, you know, unlucky guy. And so what does this guy say? Verse 24, verse 23, Therefore ask his parents, he's of age. I'm sorry, therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, this man, they're not talking about the blind guy. They're going to stop talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. You know, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I just know one, one thing. <laughs> I can see now. I was blind, but now I can see. So they're going to accuse, they're doing a little religious mumbo jumbo here. Then said they to him again, What did he to, uh, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, "I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his uh, disciples?" Then they reviled, re- reviled him and said, "Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, notice they don't like what the Lord's been doing." We know not from whence he is. And that's a lie. They do know. They know he's from Nazareth. They know where he's, he comes. He's Mary's boy, the Joseph, the carpenter. And he, didn't Joseph and Mary, his parents, you know, they, all that. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Isn't that interesting? He did it. You see, the religious guys, are they don't want to give him the credit. Yet what does the guy say? Dude, I was blind and now I can see. I don't care who you think he is or what he's done to you. I just know that he did a little spit and put a little mud and boom, I can see now. Verse 31, now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he healeth. Since the world began and is not heard, that it, you know, and off he goes. See, the bottom line, come back to Mark 1. The bottom line is what, basically really what the blind guy is saying is, look, we can argue all you want to about who he is and isn't. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. The leper here, that's exactly what they would have asked the leper if he had gone and done what the Lord told him to do. If he had gone and showed himself to the priest, because they would have been required to make that official public proclamation that he had been healed. See, they didn't do that. He didn't do that, sorry. Rather, verse 45, by the way, if the priest had stood up and said he's been healed, again, that question would have been what? Who did it? And they would have the leper would have easily said, "Well, he did it," <laughs> you know, because what does he do? Verse forty-five. But he went out, and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Now that's a natural thing, honestly to go out and to tell everybody about the wonderful thing that just happened to you. I mean, he just got healed of a disease that no one has ever been healed from. And immediately restored him, complete and totally, no side effects, no, you know, no booster shot needed. <laughs> okay, none of that. But actually, he's in disobedience here. He took away the opportunity to get the official proclamation by the priest about who Christ really is, Jehovah, Messiah. And he took that opportunity away by not obeying God's word. We call that rebellion. He was rebellious. And in his rebellion against God's word, it then limited what should have been done okay Paul's and Paul in Romans over there talking about Israel he says they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge see and that's the illustration here that's what this guy is doing he goes out verse 45 insomuch that Jesus Christ could no more openly enter so where is he? He's in the desert places. So because of the disobedience of the man, it literally stops the Lord's mission. It literally puts a, 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 a grip on him being, out to, being able to go out among the people. Again, verse 38 there. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, casting out devils. It, it literally hampered that to the point where, where did the Lord end up? In the desert place, you know? And, and again, desert place, not hot and you know, the Sahara Desert, but deserted. Nobody around him. He had to get away from the crowds because it... Well, they came to him from every quarter. Not only was the city come, but now the whole region is coming. So it, it really hampered him. You know, if you think about that, the crowd would see him and, well, you know, the you know how fickle man is, what have you done for me lately? Well, what has he done lately? He can, he fixed that leper, and that's the big, that was the number one disease. So it really came in and they would see him and it stopped him, it it. It, it held him back, and that leads now into, verse, into chapter 2, verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together. I mean, he can't, he, he, you know, I, I read about the celebrities, you know, back before COVID, <laughs> when they would try to go out, and they couldn't because of the paparazzi or whatever, and they'd have to do it, and they'd sneak and all this stuff. Today, I think they could probably walk around. Nobody would know who they are anymore. But the thing is, is that's literally what the Lord, everywhere, his fame was spread abroad. So now, chapter 2 here is the last of the five miracles across here. And there's something else going in. All the parts of the land from every quarter, they're here. Now watch verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum. So he's back in Capernaum. If you look there at chapter one, verse twenty-one, and they went into Capernaum. So evidently that's where Simon Peter's wife, uh, mother-in-law, his house is, and his family is. And notice two-one. After some days, he's trying to let the fame die down, let the popularity. You know, the guy, the leper guy, is getting his fifteen minutes of fame. Let's give him a couple days, calm down. And then he goes back in. If you look at verse 2, and it's raining. <laughs> Told you. And straightway many were gathered. Yeah, it's really raining. All right. Hey, free car wash. I hope your windows are up. All right. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Again, that's, he doesn't deviate from preaching the word. That's the issue. He doesn't deviate from preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You guys got to get right. But here's the good news. It's time. He doesn't deviate. He just did a tremendous set of miracles, four of them so far. He's going to do another one here with, the, with the, the palsy. And he doesn't deviate from preaching because that was what his ministry was about. And this miracle, these miracles just simply confirm that. Verse 1. And again, he entered in Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. He's, he's there. He's in the house. You know, Elvis has left the building. No, he's in the house. And again, this is Peter's house. Now, when we look over where he calls Matthew, Levi, verse 15 215, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, that's Matthew's house. So he's, he, he's having house meetings, if you will. <laughs> he's moving from house to house. Here he's back at Peter's house, and everybody in the area is there again, so much so that there's no movement. There's no way to move in. There's no way to move out. There's no, there's verse 2, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not as so much as about the door. Now, this is an interesting thing here about Mark. Because Mark descri- doesn't really describe, Mark doesn't care who's in the crowd. He just says what? He's a servant. Picture the servant. The room's packed, standing room only, and I couldn't pass out enough water bottles to everybody. I mean, if you think about how a servant would think about this, if you look down, well, I tell you what, come over to Luke chapter 5. Notice Luke, Dr. Luke, and his description of the folks here. Uh, Luke chapter number 5. Yeah, it's really raining. There's thunder, and we'll get the power out here in a minute, so... It's a message, yes. Luke 5. Look at Luke 5, verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a in a bed a man which was taken with palsy so there's our guy but notice the doctor is recognizing who's in the house who's there pharisees doctrines of doctors of the law so dr luke is going to pay attention to the doctor the title (laughs) mark don't care Uh, when emily graduated with her master's degree from asu She was talking about going and getting her PhD, and she still might do that. But so she was. We were sitting at lunch, and she's like, "You know, if I get my PhD, you have to call me doctor." (laughs) Now her brother said, "No way am I calling you doctor." (laughs) There ain't. Well, that's Mark. There ain't no way I'm recognizing the doctor. Now Mark. If so, if you go back here to Mark two, by the way, he will identify them he does identify the elders and so forth but in verse 2 he just sit there and he there, there's no room so evidently Mark is in the room that this happens in because what does he know there's no room to receive them he's there working he's in the the room he's there to take care of every uh, take care of people and he's like there, there's just no way, no way. Now, verse three, Mark two three, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy which was born afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof, where he was. He was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now. If you go back there to Luke 5 again, sorry, I know you were just there. Luke 5 describes this for us. Verse 19, Luke 5, verse 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. So they go up, by the way, in the commentaries, in Mark, Mark, go back to Mark 2. In Mark 2, they will spend paragraphs upon paragraphs talking about how they opened up the roof. Not about all the other stuff, but it's a housetop. It's a flat roof. It's I've obviously got tile on it, so what do they do? They break it up, and then they let the guy in. It's not hard to do. It's not a pitched roof like the roof on this building. It's a flat top. And being in the desert in the southwest, we see that from time to time, a little pitch on it, the drain and everything. And that's what they're doing. If you think about Rahab, when the two spies, she hid them amongst the flat, on the rooftop, the, the, that flat section of the house. So the fascinating thing is, in verse 3 and 4, is they can't get in. There's so many people. Now, when he says he's born of four, at the end of verse three, there are four guys, a guy on each corner, toting him. So there are five guys involved here. There's four carrying the stretcher, if you think about a I think about a stretcher, you know, mash, 4077. You got him going, and, and you've got the guy on the stretcher. Now, think about verse, look at verse five. When Jesus, what? Saw their faith. You got four guys trying to get him in the door. What do they know? What do those four know about who's inside? Messiah, Israel's deliverer, the redeemer. The whole there he is. So what? Do, so what do they have? Faith. So then what do they do? Well, this ain't working. Hold on. By the way, palsy. He's laid on a bed, so he's probably a paralytic, uh, quadru- You know, huh? Paralytic but he's probably a quad. I, I, the, the word just slipped. I can't think about I can't, you won't register. Quad, yes, thank you. There you go. So, because he, he can't move. He's, you know, all right, he's strapped in. Well, let's go on the roof. But you got him, the guy himself. He's letting these four guys bring him. So what does he know? The, the paralytic, he knows who's in there. Because the Lord saw their faith. You see, so they go up, they break the roof in, they let him down. It's interesting. The four guys don't come down. They let him down. But they know who's going on. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be healed. No, he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Isn't that an interesting thing? The first thing the Lord says isn't be healed. It's what? Your sins be forgiven. Now, this is going to reach back up to the leper thing. The leper thing. The, the leper and the healing there. Because what does leprosy represent? That issue of sin, picture of sin. What's the issue here? What's the real problem? The sin issue is the problem. Why is he in the bed? Why is he paralysed? Sin. You know, I, when I drove school bus and I would drive the special ed buses, I enjoyed those buses because I could, I could work with mom and dad and it wasn't such a sterile thing. And you, know, you see these poor kids and, you know, okay. <laughs> and, and you try to gently find out their, their story, you know. And usually it was the healthcare workers that worked with them would get, oh yeah, this is what happened, blah, 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 you know. And we had a set of triplets they were born premature so they were in bad straight from day one nick you the whole bit really sad cases but you don't know that you find out and the question usually would come up why are they this way sin that's the problem jesus christ goes right to the heart of the issue here the heart of the matter What's Israel's real problem? Their sin. Why are they in this condition of being paralyzed? Can't move, can't do, can't perform, can't be who they're supposed to be. Why? Because of sin. So it's an interesting picture being developed here. Now, when he says, son, thy sins be forgiven thee, He's literally dealing with the real problem. He's saying, I came to take care of the real problem, and then that's sin. But there's something else going on here with the four guys, the five guys, and then the subsequent verse, 15, uh, verse 13, and he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, who, who is Matthew, and he calls Levi. We've already seen in chapter 1 where he's got Simon and Andrew and James. and he's, So what is he doing? He's beginning to call a team together. He's beginning to gather them up. By the way, Matthew's a publican. If you look there at verse uh, 15, "...and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners..." sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. So what do the Pharisees say in verse 16? How is the end of that verse, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? You see how it's all of a sudden now it's about the sin issue? And there's this picture here about the issue here is sin, but there's also a picture going on about the gathering up of that little flock, that believing remnant. You've got five guys who demonstrate their faith. Boom! There he is. He's the one. He's where we're going. And you have a team. That paral- the Paul's the paralytic guy. He's got a team to get him around. So you see these two pictures beginning to develop here. Well, that Christ, you know, Matthew one, he he uh, came into the world to save his people from their sins. What. Son, your sins be forgiven. With the, he's got a, the palsy guy, sin, cur, sin condition. Got a team to bring him and deliver him. What's the Lord doing? I'm here to take care of that sin problem. And oh, by the way, I got a team that I'm putting together. We're going to start with Matthew. Well, actually, we started with Simon, Andrew, Nathaniel, Philip, you know, those guys. I got a team we're going to put together, and what are we doing? We're now going out into that apostate nation, and you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to bring them back in. We're trying to bring into the nation. Okay? Follow that? Only Mark tells you that there are four guys. The other guys, the other Matthew and Luke, don't tell you that because the four, I I think about the four servants, (laughs) Mark's servants, Picture that team putting it together in that little, that picture of the little flock that the Lord's calling together, calling them out of that apostate nation, out of that nation that's got sin, that they're under the satanic captivity, they're under the curse of the law, the fifth course of judge, they're under Gentile, under all of this disease, and they're, they've, uh, Psalms 103, we'll get over there, well, maybe, here in just a minute, and it's just got him down, and yet there he is. Okay? So the they they are, these guys grab him, they bring him, verse 4, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. They have an obstacle in front of them. And yet the obstacle didn't stop them. What did they do? They uncovered a roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they laid let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Could you imagine being in that room and the roof opens? And then you watch this guy come down out of the... Everybody's attention is where? Right there now. And what's going to happen? So the Lord's going to say this in verse 5, and everybody's attention is there. And when Jesus saw their faith, again... How did he see their faith? How did they see their faith? They watched them do what they did. They watched them, He watched them come to the door. That didn't work, come up on the roof, drop him down. He saw their faith. So in Israel's program, faith is always made visible by some activity. Now, you and I today in the body of Christ, we don't do that. Our faith is, is not an uh, visible and an activity. Okay? That's why it's faith alone, not faith and a good work to follow. So when you and that's what he saw. Their faith was demonstrated by them doing what they did. Their conduct, their activity is what demonstrates their faith. Okay? Now for you and I, I'll just say our faith does, Ephesians 2.10, there are good works that we're going to go do, and that would demonstrate our faith, but it's not a mandate, it's not a requirement, Their, theirs is, they have to. Verse 5, so what does he say? Son, thy sins be forgiven. Now, come back to Psalms 103, because that's exactly what the Messiah was is going to say and do. And again... The miracles are designed to confirm who he is. The message he's preaching, confirm his credentials, validate him. He's who he There should have been never a guess in anyone's mind about this, and yet we're going to see as we go, keep going that they're ready to kill him by the end of cha- by uh, beginning of chapter 3. Uh, Psalms 103. If you look there... Um, Verse 1. Psalms 103, 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who, so who? The Lord, Jehovah, forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, and so on. So he's talking about Jehovah, Lord and what's he before he heals them what is he what's he doing forgiving them all their iniquities and that's exactly what he's saying in Mark 2 son thy sins be forgiven come over to Isaiah 43 that's what he's doing by him saying son thy sins are forgiven he is saying that I am Jehovah that Psalms 103 is talking about I'm that guy And I've come to deliver you. Um, Isaiah 43. That's who I am. And that's going to chap the leader's hide here in just a minute. (laughs) They're not going to be happy with that. Um, Isaiah 43 and verse 25. Uh, Again, the the Lord is just simply demonstrating himself to be Jehovah God in their midst. He's Elohim. There he is. He's uh, Emmanuel. Sorry. There he is. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. He's Jehovah. That's Jehovah talking. And Jesus Christ, come back to Mark 2, is saying, I'm that guy. That's who I am. And again, the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, how does how does all that happen it, in Jeremiah it's kind of backwards in the verses cuz the first thing he's got to do is what forgive their iniquity then he can write the law and do all the other but he's got to in Jeremiah in forgiving the iniquities at the bottom <laughs> it's kind of reverse but that's because Jeremiah is talking to them about the blessings of the land and the kingdom and everything and you never start at the bad you always start at the beginning at the good so in Mark 2 here that's what's happening. I am Jehovah God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to heal you, but first I'm going to forgive thy sins. And again, when he says, "Son, forgive uh, thy sins be forgiven thee," he is demonstrating that he is Messiah and he's going to and he's doing something that they can't do themselves. They're helpless. They're paralyzed. They can't do. They they literally can do nothing. He's it took four guys to get him in. To carry him up there. And that's exactly the condition Israel's in. They can't do anything. The satanic captivity, the curse of the law, all these diseases it's got them paralyzed and he says i'm jehovah and i'm gonna do for you what you couldn't do for yourself so verse six but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts now there's mark giving you some idea who's in the crowd but no doctors of the law and Pharisees, none of that stuff it's just some leaders are there But notice where they they do not say this out loud. They say it in their hearts. Verse 6. And reasoning in their hearts. What do they say? What did they say? Sorry. Why doth this man thus speak? Blaspheme. Who can forgive sins but God only? They saw what just happened. What did Jesus Christ do? Son, thy sins are forgiven. But wait a minute. We know that only God can do that. So what did Jesus Christ just demonstrate himself to be? Jehovah God. That's what he just did. They understood it. They got it. They don't like it, though. Because he's not part of their crowd. He's not coming in preaching like the elders... He's coming in with that wonderful doctrine and people back over there in chapter 1, and they say, you know, we've never heard anyone preach like this before. So he just comes in and demonstrates who he is. Now, in verse 6 and 7, the scribes, if they had been honest with everything, they would have said that out loud, not in their hearts. They would have made a public testimony— just like the leper to the priest and the public testimony, they should have done the same thing. Now they don't. So, verse 8 and what? Immediately. <laughs> when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Notice that immediately he doesn't waste time. He perceived them. Well, he knows. And he says, Wait a second. You guys, why are you saying this quietly? He read their minds. He called them on the carpet. And again, they ain't going to like it. They don't like it. You see, at every point, he's demonstrating that he is doing only what God can do. By the way, only God can read your mind. You, even when you think you are dead alone and nobody would ever know that you thought that way, God knows that thought. See? Uh-oh is right. Okay. So that's, the, that's what's going on. Now watch verse 9. The end of verse 8. Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sin be forgiven thee, or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk so which is easy but both are easy to say see that's the thing any hey for your sins are forgiven take up your bed and walk you see they the hard part is the doing of it only god could do it so what does he say verse 10 but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Now notice what he does here. They've reasoned in their hearts, the only one that can forgive sins is God. The Lord says, I'm God, I'm Jehovah. But then he looks at him and says, wait a second, guys. Is it harder, is it easier to say forgive sins or be healed? Well, both are easy. The hard part is in the doing. Now, verse 10, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to what? Forgive sins. What does he say? Arise. I say unto thee, verse eleven: arise and take up thy bed and go, go thy way into thy house. And immediately, what did he do? He did it to demonstrate that he is God to forgive sins. He reaches over and causes the guy to walk, take up his bed and go. So, as they see the palsy guy get up and go, take his take his bed. Now, Luke called it a couch. How do you carry a couch out? I'm like, I'm thinking about a you know, sleeper couch, you know. <laughs> you need a two-wheeler. No, that's why I think it's more of a stretcher, <laughs> okay? What does he do? Picks it up, and he walks out. Now, there's several things going on here. In verse 10, that title, Son of Man, it's the first time the phrase is used in Mark. It's used in Matthew 8. That's the first time it appears in the New, in the New Testament, if you will, Okay? But the Son of Man, Daniel chapter 10, calls that a title of the Messiah. It's a title of the office of the Messiah. So when he says, Son of man hath power on the earth, it's like the Messiah is going to say this. So that, that's why Ezekiel, he's called son of man, all through, and it's like, eh. but he's never called the son of man. He's just called son of man. Okay, and there's a reason for that in Ezekiel. But anyway, so as Messiah, what did he say to the guy, verse 11? Take up your bed, arise, and walk. You're healed. Go thy way into thine house. I say unto thee, arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into the house. By the way, again, he says this. He doesn't touch the guy. So in order for them to know the power of his words, son of man, son thy sins be forgiven he says that there's power in those words and in order for them to understand it, basically the lord says you don't believe me let me show you let me demonstrate this to you let me demonstrate you the power of my word by doing something that you don't think i can do dude get up arise take up your bed you're healed go home He's demonstrating the power of his word by the actions of healing the man. And then, there, what does he do? And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. So you have now you have the faith of the palsy guy to do what? Well, he said, I can get up. Let's get up. You know, so now he's got demonstrating faith in the word. So his faith strength gives him the strength to get up. The, Lord's, the Lord, get up, you're done. His, so you've got all of this going on here as this picture to the nation of Israel of what they're going to need to be restored. Immediately, verse 12, and immediately restored. By the way, it's opposite of how he came in. He came in through... He couldn't get in the door. By the way, he's leaving out through the door. They've parted the sea and... Phew, let, don't, don't touch this guy. He's radiant. <laughs> you know. So you have God's word. The... To... The power in it to raise him. That was enough for... For the healing. Arise. Take up thy bed. Then you've got the faith of the man to get up and go. So you've got this whole issue going on here. Demonstrating to Israel, you're gonna, you need the Messiah to get your sins forgiven. And you need the, the word of the Messiah, really, God's word. And now you to need the word to then deliver you out of everything else. Now, in verse 12, uh, And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth, I love that, before them all. He walked out. And they wouldn't let him in the door to begin with. Now they're going to get out of his way. And they're going to let him out. And they again, they wouldn't get out of his way to come in. They're like, no, you just stay right there. It's my turn. You know, That's how man is. Selfish. So he had to come in a different way. Now he's walking out the way he should have been all the way. They were, insomuch much that they were all, notice, amazed. They've never saw it on this fashion. They've never seen this before. Now think about what they've seen that they've never seen before. They've seen the cleansing of the leper And now they've seen this guy get up and walk. They've never, they, I mean, they see this, they're amazed and glorified God. They got, that's a great response to it, okay? And that should have been the response. But yet, what was the response from the leaders of Israel? Well, verse 16 And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans? What what is he doing? We just saw him forgive sins and heal a guy. He just said he was God. What's he doing down here eating with the publicans? I love verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick... I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's, he's referring to the Pharisees, the righteousness of the law. They had it. He goes, I'm not here for you guys. I'm here for the publican and the sinner guy. Verse 24. Notice what they keep, they just keep after him. Look at, down at verse 24. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Now they're, now they're going to go after him on the Sabbath. Chapter 3, verse 2. And they watched him. So they come in and they argue with him in verse 16. What are you doing? In verse 24, they're questioning him about the Sabbath day activity there. Chapter 3, verse 2, they're going to watch him. And they watch him. Then if you look down at verse 6, and the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might... Destroy him. In less than a chapter, they're ready to kill him. (coughs) And uh, it's the leaders of Israel, by the way. It's not the people. The people are still lined up trying to get healed. See? So you have Israel. They know that the Messiah has showed up. Leaders included. They know. They know when he's... Only God can forgive sins. And boy, he just did that. Oh, man. He's... But that can't be because he didn't come from our school. He didn't come out from us. He's... And, and they know that he showed up. They know that he can heal them. They know he, he, he can restore them to being useful. They know that he can forgive the sin problem. They know that he can come in and redeem them and restore them. They see him do that, and they don't like him. Now, he's also collecting up that team, that little flock, to that believing remnant, to go carry out there to the nation and to get them going and get them on board and lead them and so forth. But, man, the leaders just, they're going to they're pester him. So, in chapter 2, starting verse 13, we'll get there next week, we'll start there next time. What's he go do? He goes out and he gets Levi, Matthew, and he starts collecting them up. But now he's got to deal with the leadership of the leaders of Israel. So Mark here, five miracles, bam, 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 demonstrating who he is. He's Jehovah, and he's come to redeem them, to restore them to being useful and those servants, as the servants of the Lord. And that's what what we're doing here. The leper, that picture of the sin, great picture of sin, uncleanliness. And then you've got the palsy. And the first thing is, is what? Your sin be forgiven, and off you go. And now go. But the thing about the palsy is that four, that collecting of the team, because now he's starting to do that. So we'll pick up with Levi, with Matthew and uh, verse 13 and work down through some of that okay so a lot going on here keyword in mark is actually there's a couple of them is that word and and that word and sits at almost the beginning of every verse in in the book but it's also that word immediately because in the miracles they're immediately restored they're not they're not worried about waiting and getting a double dose and you know, getting a booster shot and getting this and seeing... It. They're not any of that. They're immediately up and restored and ready to go. Okay? So as the Lord's calling them to repentance, calling them to, to get back so they could be useful to that kingdom and so forth, you've got all this stuff going on that needs to be so that when he does finally say, it is finished, everything that's been talked about by the prophets concerning him has been fulfilled and he's doing that, okay? All right, dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the look here into what the earthly ministry uh, was all about and the preaching of it and the miracles and uh, the amazement and the glorification that came to you because of that. In your name we pray, Amen. amen.